If you would, take your Bible and open to the book of Jude. Now, I know even if you read your Bible a lot or you're familiar with your Bible, you may not know where the book of Jude is located. It's the second to last book in the Bible. So if you go to the book of Revelation at the very end and you just turn a page back to the left or scroll up in your phone just a little bit, you will find the book of Jude. Probably takes up one page of your Bible, but we're going to begin looking at that, at that this morning. If you're a guest of ours, Jaron has already mentioned this, referenced this, but there is a guest card in front of you, hopefully somewhere in the seat back in front of you that you can take out. And if you need prayer, if we can answer any questions for you, things that you'd like to reach out to a pastor about, just write your name on there. And then there are boxes on the wall as you exit where our members put their offering envelopes and gifts. And thank you, Emmaus, for how you give in that way. Just drop those cards in that box. Also, if the sticker hasn't fallen off, there should be a sticker on the seat back in front of you that has a QR code. And if you go to that QR code, there's a way you can put in your information if you need prayer or have questions, somebody wants somebody to reach out to you. Also, let me let you know that that QR code, even if you're a member and you normally don't use that, that QR code will take you to a place where you can click on a link for this new sermon series that we're starting today. We are beginning a three-week series on the topic of doubt, and we've built a new webpage about this sermon series. You can go to EmmausOKC.org doubt, and on there we have links for more resources that might be helpful for you, and I have put all my sermon notes on that website. So as we go through the sermon this morning, there's going to be a lot of slides, a lot of information. Instead of you having to worry about taking pictures of the screen or, or writing a lot of notes, you can obviously do that. But all of the notes are on that website. And so we hope over the next few weeks to continue to put more information, more resources, more links. Jaron has put together a Spotify playlist of psalms that are particularly helpful if you're going through a season of doubt or questioning or difficulty. You can find that Spotify playlist and then you just keep the songs on yours that you want and, and take off others, but you can create your own playlist out of that. We have different links out to websites and podcasts and books, just a lot of information on that. And so we're gonna continue to, to work on that. Today, we're talking specifically about the question, what happens when I doubt God's power and presence? You may be here this morning and you've been a Christian, you've been in church for a long time, but if you were honest, there are times that you doubt, God, where are you? What are you doing? Do I really believe this? Have I just been showing up to a religious service because I was raised this way? What do I really believe about God? What do I really believe about the Bible? Or you might be here this morning and you're not a Christian. Uh, you're interested, you have questions about Jesus, you have respect for your family members and friends, who follow Jesus, but, but you're not following Jesus, you have a lot of doubts, you have a lot of questions about why do people believe this? What does it look like to, to know Jesus and experience God's power in your life? So we're gonna get started on that this morning. We, we won't answer all the questions you have, I'm, I'm sure of that, but we want you to reach out with those questions. We want this to be a step in the right direction if you deal with doubt in your life. And then next week, we're gonna talk about what happens when you doubt your salvation. There are people that go through life and they reach a point where they start to ask, have I really been saved? 
am I really a Christian? Do I know what it is to experience God's work in my life in that way? And we begin to ask questions, we begin to go through those things. How can you know if you're saved? We're gonna deal with that question next week. And then the third week is, can God really use me? Begin to doubt, okay, I know I'm a Christian, but is this all that means? Like, what does it look like for God to really use my life? And that third week, we're gonna deal with some of those big topics that people have questions about. How do you know the Bible's true? How do you know Jesus really came back from the dead? How do you know there's a creator that created all this? Some of those questions, how can God use you to help address some of those things? So that's where we're headed in, in the weeks to come. As we get started, I'd love to pray for us, and then we're gonna jump right into this. God, we come, as we've had these psalms together, as we've been able to hopefully encourage one another this morning, God, we come before you asking for direction from your word by the power of your Holy Spirit. God, I pray that if there are people here this morning who have been dealing with doubts and questions for a long time, and, and maybe they've been embarrassed to ask those things, maybe they felt like they're the only ones dealing with those questions, God, help us to know how to deal with doubts in the Christian life and what it looks like to take the next step. Where are you leading us from this morning? What, what are you calling us to do this morning? And God, we also, as we gather here this morning, we remember 9-11, we remember this date on the calendar and what this means for our country, for so many of us having memories of that day and, and the aftermath and the years that, since then. God, I pray that those who are going through grief, those who are facing a lot of uncertainties because of that kind of experience, that kind of trauma, God, that they would continue to know that they can look back to you, that they would find hope and peace and a way forward. And God, help us as a church to know what that looks like, how to reach out and care for people and share good news with those around us. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So we're doing this series on the topic of doubt. And it's right in the middle of a year-long journey we're taking through the Gospel of Mark. So if you're not familiar with the book of Mark, Mark is the second book in the New Testament. It tells us about Jesus' ministry. And last week, we were looking at Mark chapter nine. And in Mark chapter nine, Jesus encounters this man who, whose son has a demon, who's possessed by this evil spirit. And the disciples, they are unable to cast out this evil spirit from this little boy. And so Jesus comes and he confronts their lack of faith and he tells this man, this dad, all things are possible for the one who believes. And this man cries out, I believe, help my unbelief. I've often thought, if my life had a motto, it's probably that. I believe, help my unbelief. And you might say, is the pastor allowed to feel that way? I don't know, but I hope so. <laughs> I hope that's okay, because that characterizes so much of my life. God, I believe, but man, I've got questions. <laughs> and I've got these things that I'm trying to deal with. If there was ever an award handed out for world champion of overthinking, I think I have a chance at that award. Like, uh, just these thoughts and these doubts and these uncertainties and these things we consider. God, how do we work through this? I believe, but I have these doubts. Help my unbelief. Where do we go from here moving forward? As we think about this topic, as we think about how to deal with doubts, where I want to begin this morning is in the book of Jude. Jude chapter 1, verse 3. It says in Jude chapter 1, verse 3, Beloved, 
although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it, found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. If you are a Bible underliner or highlighter, that phrase, contend for the faith once delivered to the saints, that phrase is the theme of the book of Jude. So if you underline that phrase, if you highlight that, that is what the book of Jude is, is all about. That there, this faith in Jesus is being passed down generation after generation to this church. This is still very early in the days of people following Jesus. But there are false teachers coming in, teaching other things. And the people are being tempted to follow these false teachers, to believe different things, to live in a different way. And Jude is writing to them saying, don't go that way. Stay strong with what you've been taught. Stay strong with what you believe. Don't allow those doubts to take you in a different direction. And the reason Jude is such an interesting person to write about this is remember, Jude would have been one of the half-brothers of Jesus. And there would have been a time in Jude's life where he himself would have doubted Jesus, would have doubted whether or not Jesus really was who he said he was, what his ministry was all about. He would have known what it was like to go through that season of doubt and then experience the cross and the resurrection and believe in Jesus and, and be used by him. And he's saying here, don't be drawn away. Contend, fight for, stay strong in the faith that's been given to you. And then most of the book of Jude is talking about these false teachers. But jump down to verse 18 and see the way this book ends. Verse 18, Jude says, Don't, remember, or don't forget, this is what's been passed down to you, that in the last time, there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people devoid of the Spirit. Now this idea here of someone being a scoffer, what's that word mean? Well, in many ways, it's the opposite of doubting. In doubts, and hear me out on this, when you doubt, you're struggling with your faith. When you become a scoffer, or you become a mocker, at this point your heart is hard against the things of God. You're angry, you're divisive, you're bitter. It's not I'm struggling with faith, it's I'm completely opposed to faith and I've reached the point of making fun of it and trying to cause trouble. I'm gonna live however I want and I'm gonna try to cause trouble for those who believe in Jesus. So scoffing, mocking, is hard-hearted rebellion against the ways of God. When you have doubts, it's when you're dealing with, fighting, struggling with these internal challenges. Verse 19, or verse 20. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. Jude says, what do you do in the meantime? We don't give up. You keep building up the foundation of your life. You keep praying. You keep relying on God's love. You keep obeying his commandments, and you keep looking to the future, knowing that Jesus is going to return and make all things right. And so there's a tension in the church at this point. There's a tension in these people's lives. They're having doubts because of false teachers coming into the church, but Jude is writing to them saying, stay strong. Which direction are they going to go? Which direction are they going to go with these doubts? Well, look at verse 22. Verse 22, how do you respond to people in this situation? Have mercy on those who doubt. Now, 
This is ironic because some of you are looking at your Bible and saying, I don't see the word doubt there. Well, the ironic part is, based on the translation, based on which manuscripts are used in this particular verse, some manuscripts will focus on the idea of doubt here. Others will talk about showing compassion to others. The key idea, though, comes back to this word doubt. Have mercy on those who doubt. What does it mean to doubt? That word is often used in the Bible for arguing with somebody or making a judgment about something. Do you know the person you really don't want to argue with? Don't look at your spouse or somebody sitting next to you. Do you know the person you really don't want to argue with? Yourself. Uh, because when we start to argue with ourselves in our mind and these internal conflicts and challenges are going back and forth in our mind, that's when it gets tough. And when does your brain really love to argue with you? Right at bedtime. Like right when you lie down, all of these internal arguments start to come. Or, or when you have something very important happening in life, you feel like I'm finally moving forward in life and all of these arguments begin in our mind. And I want to say to you from the very beginning, how does the word of God say to respond to doubt? Have mercy toward those who doubt. If you're here this morning and you struggle with doubt, the word of God does not say to condemn you, to judge you, to give easy answers to you, because when you're going through doubt, it can be crippling. You can feel like I'm the only person that feels this way. Nobody else is struggling with these things. And then you feel ashamed. If I was really a Christian, I wouldn't be asking these questions or I wouldn't be struggling with these things. And, and when it gets in your mind, it can get really toxic and really dark in a hurry. And scripture says, have mercy on those who doubt. What's the pathway forward? Let's begin in this way. What causes doubt in the first place? What causes doubt in our mind? Number one, hard circumstances in life. We're gonna work through different reasons here. What causes doubt to come into our minds? Number one, just hard circumstances. When things happen in your family, when you look around at the world and you see all the suffering in the world, maybe you deal with rejection or insecurities and these doubts begin to come up with, how could a good God allow this type of suffering to happen in the world? How can I believe in God when I'm going through all of this and seeing all of these things happen? When these difficult circumstances come, it can cause us to doubt. For each of these points about what causes doubt, I want you to see that there's a figure in the Bible that relates to this, that, that you're not alone in feeling that way. In the Bible, we have Peter, who's walking on water. He's following after Jesus, and what happens? This storm is going on around him, and he begins to look at the storm, and he begins to doubt, and that causes him to sink. You can be going through life, and everything seems to be going really well, and then the storm happens, and your eyes turn to the storm and away from Jesus, and doubt sets in at that moment. You begin to think, is God really in control? Is he really good? Does he really know what's going on here? Does he see what's happening in my life and in the world? And these questions about suffering can cause doubt to come to the surface. And Peter continued to deal with this throughout his life. The pain of the crucifixion, the pain of the cross, caused Peter to draw away from Jesus. And every time, Jesus continued to draw Peter back to himself. Number two, what causes doubt? Who you listen to. What comes into your mind? What comes into your eyes? What comes into your ears? Who we listen to can cause us to doubt. What's the example in the Bible? The example in the Bible is Eve. 
You think about the Garden of Eden there in Genesis chapter 3. What does Satan say to Eve in that moment? Did God really say? And she begins to listen to the snake, begins to listen to Satan, and begins to doubt, is God's word true? Is God really good? Can I believe these things? Can I hold on to these things? Who we listen to, who we allow to shape our thinking can cause doubts. But I want to say something really important at this point before we move on. People can hear that and say, okay, all these voices coming in can cause doubts in my mind, so I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to build up these huge walls and fences around me, and I'm only going to listen to people who believe exactly like I believe. And we are so tempted to do this with our kids. The way we keep our kids from doubting, we say to ourselves, is I'm going to build these huge walls and fences around them and not allow them to hear any other perspectives or any other ideas. And if I can just say to you, be so careful about that. Because what you're doing in the process is later in life, somewhere they're going to hear those things. Sometime they're going to be asked those questions. They're going to run into those realities. And the question is, not have I built fences for my kids, but have I helped them to build a foundation for their lives? In church, if we're not careful, we spend more time building fences than we do building foundations. And when you have a firm foundation for your life, then when those questions come, then when those doubts come, you have a way to respond. You have a perspective. You know how to be discerning. You know how to consider these things. And so in life, do you need fences? Do you need fences for your kids? Absolutely, we do. There are things we're just not going to listen to. We're not going to allow to come into our eyes and ears. But we're not going to build these huge walls. We're going to build foundations so that when those questions come, when they go to college and someone questions them on something, when they get into adulthood and start to think, did I really believe that? Or did I just believe that because my parents told me to believe that? There's a foundation to come back to to begin to think through some of these questions. Number three, why do people doubt? It's just their personality. <laughs> some people, by personality, have a very rational, skeptical, pessimistic outlook. I'm looking at you scientists. Uh, those of you who like, it has to fit in a box, everything has to make sense, you need answers to things. Just by personality, we're prone to doubt. You think about the Bible, who, who stands out there? Thomas. You heard about the figure in the Bible called Doubting Thomas? Poor Thomas, all the disciples doubted, and yet he's the one that got stick, stuck with the nickname, Doubt, Doubting Thomas. When you look at the Bible, it's really not so much doubting Thomas, it's more pessimistic Thomas. Like the word that describes Thomas is he always seemed to think something bad was coming. And he could never make sense of what was happening in the world around him. He had trouble seeing the big picture. And you may be the type of person, or you may be married to the type of person, or you may have kids who are like this, that they're just super rational and they need everything to make sense. And if it doesn't make sense, all these questions begin to come. And let me just give you some encouragement. That type of personality doesn't keep you from believing. It can actually lead to the strongest type of belief. How do I know that? Because I live in that world every single day. Because when you doubt these things and you have trouble making sense of these things, what happens? Well, you either draw away from God or you draw toward him and say, I want to know. I desire to know him more. Doubts 
don't keep us from faith, they can be the greatest bridge to having faith in Jesus. Said another way, doubts can either draw you closer to God or they can take you further away. Doubts and questions are not in themselves sinful and evil. It's what we do with our doubts and questions. You see kids that go away from faith when they get into college or adulthood. Can I just tell you, people don't leave church and leave faith because of their doubts and questions. They leave because of how their doubts and questions are handled. We're gonna have doubts and questions. We're gonna run into these things. The question is, how do we respond to those things? Do they draw us closer to God or do they take us further away? Number four, what causes doubts in life? Let's just be honest. Sometimes we doubt God's word because we don't like God's word. <laughs> we doubt God's word because we wanna do whatever we want to. And doubt sometimes is just a cover, a mask for sin. Romans chapter one, verses 18 through the end of the book, there talks about they knew God existed, but they didn't want to believe that because they didn't want to do what God had told them to do. They wanted to build their own idols. They wanted to live their own lives. And sometimes people say, well, I doubt the Bible or I doubt God. What they really don't want is a God. And what they don't want is God's word to guide them. And we need to be really careful in our hearts. Am I doubting because I really want to know God? Or am I doubting because I actually don't want to know God and I would rather just do my own thing in life? I'm sure you could add more. I tried to pick up from your Facebook comments on my Facebook post this week some things that cause doubts. There are different things that cause doubts. Those are four things. Now, let me give you a couple of things not to do and then we'll give a pathway forward, okay? So this is the what not to do portion of it. Number one, when you doubt, don't drown in shame, guilt, fear, despair. Sometimes we get in the middle of, of our doubts and we start to think, there's no way I should feel this way, there's no way I should do this. And what really creeps into your mind is nobody else feels this way. Nobody else struggles with this. If I can just set you free, you're not the first person ever to have that question about the Bible. <laughs> or you're not the first person ever to struggle with that aspect of faith. But in our weakest moments, we start to feel isolated. And that's exactly where the enemy wants us to be. He wants us to feel like we're all alone. Nobody else struggles with this. Nobody else feels this way. I bet if we all in this room took some truth serum right now, we could all raise our hands and say, you know what, I felt that way at times. Like, I know what it is to have that question. I know what it is to struggle through that type of situation in life. I've been there, so we're not gonna turn to shame and guilt and fear. There, there's a better way forward. Number two, what not to do. Don't set unrealistic expectations. What do I mean by this? Well, sometimes people will have questions and they'll have doubts and they'll think, I'm only going to believe in the Bible, I'm only gonna believe in God if I can know with 100% absolute scientific certainty all of my questions. And again, if I could just set you free, you're not. <laughs> because we're humans. We're not gonna have answers to every single question we put out there, and we're certainly not gonna have 100% scientific certainty to every question we put out there. If you know someone who struggles with doubts, or you struggle with doubts, a good question to ask yourself is, am I willing to doubt my doubts? And then if it really unravels, am I really to doubt that I doubt that of my doubts? And then I doubt that I doubt that I doubt my doubts. 
And then you're living in Owen's head. And it's a really scary place at that point. <laughs> you don't want to go down that road. You've got to stop with just, do I doubt my doubts? The point is, if we set up expectations for what a firm foundation of faith looks like that are so crazy and outrageous that nothing can match up to it, sure, you're never going to believe. But what does it look like to know God's work in your life? What does it look like to experience God's work in your life? That's the question. Number three. Rolling along. This is, again, a response to avoid. Don't settle for easy answers. And I want to be careful here. Because sometimes you can be a person who's struggling with doubts. And a well-meaning, super spiritual, super Christian comes along and they just have a notebook full of cliche statements that they have for everything you're going through in life. And you're dealing with this really dark period of difficulty in your life and dealing with these questions and you run into the person that has an easy answer for everything you're facing. And here's the funny thing. That notebook of easy answers, they're almost always true. And they can be really helpful just probably not when you're in the middle of a dark doubting period. That's probably not what you need to hear at that point. Easy answers are a band-aid, not a cure for doubt. They might help for a moment, but they usually don't feel personal, they usually don't feel caring, and they don't get to the core of what the person is struggling with. And so if you're doubting, you're not looking for easy answers, you're looking for the presence and power of God in your life to show you a path forward. And number four, response to avoid. Please hear me. I just, this, this, is the, this is the one that gets us so much. Do not withdraw from God and others, from church and friends, when you're going through a period of doubt. What happens is in those times of doubt, we back away from the very gift that God has given us to know him more. Your doubt that could have led you into a greater season of faith and ministry than ever before, caused you to back away from church and caused you to back away from prayer and caused you to back away from scripture at just the moment that God could be leading you into greater faith than ever before. And so if you're struggling with doubts, don't go into hiding. There's a better path forward. There's, there's another way to move forward. What does that look like? Here's the path forward. Remember, we're just trying to move in the right direction when we struggle with doubt. Number one, define your doubts. You're talking to somebody, and they say, man, I am really struggling in my faith. I don't feel God in my life. I don't know that I really want to go to church anymore. I'm not sure that I really believe in the Bible anymore. And you say to them, hey, tell me some more about that. What are you, what are you really doubting? Oh, man, I, I'm just doubting everything. Oh, gosh. <laughs> You're like, well, where, where do we start at that point? Like, that's, that's going to be a challenge. Like, at that point is, is going to be a challenge. And usually it's more emotional doubt than intellectual doubt at that point. Try to help yourself or try to help your friend or try to help your child by asking, tell me more specifically what you're doubting. Help me understand where the challenge is right now. I know you feel like you're doubting everything, that's going to be a challenge for us to address. Let's focus in on one thing so we can have a clearer picture. And sometimes you'll find out that what they're doubting turned out to be a really minor thing, but in the moment it felt huge. And so we're focusing on what's causing me to feel this way? Why, why do I not feel God's presence in my life? Why am I doubting the Bible? Why do I not want to be a part of church anymore? 
Try to dig in and figure out what's, what's behind that. And then that leads directly into number two. We want to start with the core issues and work out from there. If somebody is doubting, and let me, I hope I don't get in trouble for this example. Man, I'm, I'm stumbling into this one, so be patient with me. If somebody is doubting whether the earth is millions of years old or maybe only about 6,000 years old, that's a question that we, we can work on that question. There, there's conversations to have. But what we're really focused on is do they believe that God is the creator of all that exists? And if we're not careful, people drown in the doubt of whether the earth is old or young, and they miss the core question of whether there is a good and holy and powerful God that created all things. Let's have that question. Let's start at the core and deal with that doubt, and then we can work out to some of these other questions that that are on the edge. I have a million doubts about these peripheral issues. Like, there's all kinds of things that I don't know for sure about the Bible. But there are some things I do know to be true. And I do know the one in whom I believed. And I do know that he went to the cross to die for me and take my sins upon himself. And I do know that he rose again. And I do know that there is hope beyond the pain and sin and death of this world. Those things we can know. And so we start at the cross and the resurrection, we deal with those core issues, and then we work out. When people have questions about these kind of peripheral side issues, they just need some sort of viable answer to help them move forward. It may not be the final answer, it's just something that they can hold on to. When we're dealing with the core issues though, those are life and death issues. Those are the things that we say, we need to handle this. And if I could tell you to start anywhere, start at the resurrection of Jesus. If you're here this morning and you are not a Christian, you're interested in Jesus, you have respect for your family and friends that follow Jesus, but you're not a Christian, and you have doubts and you have questions, I can help you in this way. Start with whether or not Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose from the dead. Because if Jesus did not die on the cross and rise from the dead, I should be playing golf right now and not here. Let's just be honest. (laughs) This is not where we need to be. We are not just here to try to live better lives and be nice to one another. We are here because we believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross to conquer sin and he rose from the dead to conquer death. If those didn't happen, the rest of it falls apart. And so we're gonna start there with those core issues. Go on the journey. Let's go on that journey together whether or not that happened. And then from there, we'll deal with how many angels can dance on the head of a pen. We'll get to that maybe sometime, but let's start with what really matters. Number three, if you're gonna go on that journey, seek wise counsel. And wise counsel is probably not spelled G-O-O-G-L-E. Probably not. Now, can you find some good stuff on the internet? Can you Google some things and and get some, sure, there are some good things out there and there are some really lousy things out there about answering your questions. You're looking for someone who's gonna be gentle with your question, somebody who's gonna be humble, but somebody who can begin to help you take steps to talk about the resurrection, to talk about God as creator, to talk about eternity. Seek wise, godly counsel. And if you're here and you're dealing with doubts and wondering who those people could be, I can promise you, you're surrounded by them. I promise you, you're surrounded by them. And if you say, I just don't know where to turn to get some answers, emmausokc.org doubt. 
We put resources on there. We're going to add more resources on there. We're going to give you some information about how you deal with some of these basic questions that people have. Seek wise counsel. Number four, if you're battling through doubt, don't forget the gift of just God's common grace. Sometimes I'm dealing with doubt and it's because I needed to take a nap and eat a snack. Like that's, that was it. Like we could have gotten through all the doubt if, if we would have just taken a nap and, and gotten outside. Because if we get sitting inside and we get inside of our head too much, that's a pretty scary place and things can get toxic. And sometimes God's just saying, get out, move around, go for a run, go for a jog, go for a fast walk, a slow walk. It doesn't matter. We're just, we're trying to get outside. We're listening to music. We're enjoying God's creation. And tied into that is number five, to be able to serve others. People have doubts about faith, these really theological, theoretical ivory tower debates. If you're struggling with doubts, put your faith into action. Just see what it looks like to serve somebody else. See what it looks like for God to be at work in a person's life. Sometimes our doubts are because we've gotten so theoretical we forgot what it looked like to put faith into action. And you can doubt in your mind all day long, but when you're able to share the love of God with someone and see him at work in another person's life, man, that will help you in incredible ways about what it looks like to follow Jesus. Number six, the Bible. The Bible, the Bible, the Bible, Scripture, that you turn back to God's Word. You hold on to God's Word. Let me encourage you, in your phone, to to be able to put a note in your phone that has verses that you can go back to and that you can copy and paste and send to people when they're going through a dark season of life. And if you think to yourself, I would love to have a list of those verses, EmmausOKC.org slash doubt. We have a document on there that has verses that I use personally when going through difficult times and that I'm constantly copying and pasting to people. I have a note on my phone. If you can't get to that website, I'll just share the note with you. Um, If your phone number pops up in green numbers when you text me, I'll just send you a fax message or something like that because I I don't know how to share the note with somebody that doesn't have an iPhone, but I'll, I'll get the note to you somehow. Have a note on your phone with scriptures that you hold on to when you're going through these seasons that you can share with other people. Sometimes it's verses, sometimes it's just the big picture of God's word. Number seven, when you are going through seasons of doubt, especially those of you who are followers of Jesus, Remember God's past faithfulness. I can't tell you how many times in our marriage Amanda and I have had this conversation. You hit a hard moment. You're struggling. You're not sure how you're going to get through it. What do you do? You look back and you remember how good God has been in the past and how faithful he has been. And friends, the God who was faithful to you in the past is the same God who is with you in the present and is the same God who holds the future in his hands. And so when you look back and you remember God's faithfulness, this idea of an Ebenezer, which is that word we've seen in Psalms sometimes, but it comes from an Old Testament story about a stone that was set up to help people remember God's faithfulness. When you're doubting, sometimes you just need to look back and remember, oh yeah, I know God's in control. I remember how he got me through that situation. I remember his kindness and patience toward me, and that's gonna carry me forward. Number eight, and we're rolling toward the end at this point. Number eight, 
turn to God in prayer and praise. When you're doubting, sometimes the last thing you want to do is pray to God and worship him. But in scripture, over and over, those who doubt are those who worship God most fully. You think about Thomas, at the end of his experience with Jesus, what he, was he crying out? My Lord, my God, making this confession. Peter, he's doubting, and then he's worshiping. When you're facing doubts, turn to God in prayer and praise, and you need the church. You need people who will pray with you and for you. You need the church to be able to gather and say, God, I'm dealing with these doubts, but I'm gonna surround myself with people who are worshiping you, who are trusting you. And when you have that kind of faith that leads you to number nine, how do you move forward? We have what the early church fathers called a faith-seeking understanding. And man, I love that phrase so much. God, I believe, I'd sure like to know more. <laughs> God, I believe, help my unbelief. We don't understand just in order to have faith. We have faith in order to understand more. And so the more I believe God in those hard times, the more I trust in God in those more times, the more I'm able to understand more of how he's at work in the world. And then number 10, finally, have an eternal perspective. Have an eternal perspective. Think about your doubts at this moment. Think about challenges you face. Maybe you're doubting whether the Bible's true. Maybe you're doubting whether God's really in control, whether he's at work in your life. Maybe you're doubting whether or not there is a God or not. Let me ask you a question. What will those doubts mean 100 years from now? What will those doubts mean 5,000 years from now? That in our doubts about God's power and presence, in the moment we get overwhelmed with that, what does it look like to step back and take an eternal perspective? And if we're going to say, nope, I don't believe in God, can't go down that road, be prepared to answer for yourself the question, what am I believing in? Because it's easy to turn away from one thing, but if you're doing that, what are you turning toward? And as we think about an eternal perspective, we think about where our hope is found. In my own life, sharing with you personally, in my own life, going through doubts that make me stare at the ceiling <laughs> at night, doubts that send me on these journeys of trying to figure out what I really believe, there's one place in the Bible that I come back to over and over and over again, and I wanna give it to you as a gift as we end up this morning. And it's our friend Peter. And it's John chapter six. Jot these verses down, they're, they're gonna be on the website, you can go find it, but this is what I come back to more than anything else in my life when I think about doubts and questions. John chapter six, verse 67, Jesus asked his disciples, do you wanna go away as well? What's happening is, in Jesus' ministry, these crowds have been following him, and they're starting to doubt whether or not they really want to follow Jesus, and this is getting really hard, and many, many people are leaving. Can you imagine living in a world where many people are starting to leave the church and stop following Jesus? I can. I can imagine living in that world. Many of us live in that world right now. And Jesus asks us the question, do you want to go away as well? Are, are you going to go another direction? Look at the next couple of verses here. What does Peter say? Peter said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. 
and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. To whom shall we go? Ah, man. In those moments of doubt and uncertainty, facing suffering, facing questions, facing what does it look like to live this life, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. You are the way, the truth, and the life. You have dealt with sin. You have dealt with suffering. You have dealt with the brokenness of this world, and there is hope because of Jesus, because of his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, that he reigns over all things, and he is worthy of everything we have to give. Do we face questions and doubts? Absolutely we do. Is there hope? 100% there is that we would turn and trust in Jesus above all else. And God may have you here this morning just to remind you, you are not alone. In your doubts and your questions and uncertainties, you are not alone, and there is hope, there's a way forward. That maybe for the first time today, you would trust in Jesus for salvation. Maybe today is the day you turn back and say, God, I'm gonna pray, and I'm gonna praise you, and I'm gonna look for a way forward through what I'm facing. What we're gonna do here at the end of our service is after I pray over us, Jaron is gonna come up and teach us a new song that we're gonna use through this sermon series. I know the end of a service is a strange time to learn a new song, but he's gonna sing through the first verse in the chorus, and then he's gonna invite you to stand up and sing through the rest of the song with him. A song that's gonna help us work through our doubts, work through this sermon series. At that second verse, when people begin to stand up, if today you are ready to trust in Jesus for salvation, would you come down here and let me know? I would love to pray with you about that. Maybe God would just call you here to the front to pray, or maybe you think there's no way I'm gonna walk down in front of a bunch of people. I understand that. When the song is finished and Jaron dismisses us, your chance to respond is not finished. Come down here, let me know about the doubts you're facing. Let me know how I can pray for you. Let me know how God's at work in your life. Let's pray together right now. God, thank you for the Bible that is so honest about the world we live in, the Bible that's so honest about our lives. God, I know that doubt can just be overwhelming and crippling and it makes us feel embarrassed. It makes us feel like there's no way I could share with people this question that I have or this thing I'm going through. And God, we look around at the world and things that are happening, and, and sometimes that just makes the doubt feel even worse. And God, I thank you for your word that shows us a way forward. God, help us as a church to have mercy on those who doubt. That Emmaus Baptist Church is a place where people can come with their questions. That they would come with questions knowing they're not going to be condemned or judged or given silly, simple answers. They're going to be pointed to Jesus and they're going to have people who are going to walk beside them. God, I pray for parents who have kids and teenagers and young adults who are doubting faith. They grew up one way and they are struggling to believe, struggling with what they believe. God, I pray for those kids and those teenagers and young adults who are walking through that. 
God, I pray for those who are here today and, and they're not Christians, they wouldn't call themselves Christians, but they, they wanna know more. God, I pray that they would leave knowing that Jesus died on the cross to take their sin and he rose again because there is life after death. And God, that they would come to believe that that is true and good and you would use that in their lives. And God, use this song, use this new song that we're learning to grow our faith. And God, as we stand to sing together in a few moments, that you would call people to respond, you would call people to trust in you. And so Father, we give ourselves to you this morning and we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. 